Welcome to Saucer Cinema, the podcast about UFOs, aliens, and otherworldly phenomena in film, TV, and other media. I'm your host, Alex. On today's episode, I am joined by J.W. Friedman of the podcast I Don't Even Own a Television to discuss the 1988 film Killer Clowns from Outer Space, directed by Stephen Kyoto. everybody uh today i have jay friedman on we're going to be talking about uh 1987's is it, was it 1987 uh something like that yeah killer clowns from outer space all right um, yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah um i i mean i don't know where to start I, I i mean i have a long history with this movie i'm sure you do too as well as well <laughs> Um, yeah, I do. One of the reasons I wanted to talk about this is uh, exercising some demons, I guess. Um, this is a movie that, that absolutely scared the hell out of me when I was a kid. Um, watching it now, I feel kind of silly about that. But, um, you know, I wanted to revisit it as an adult. Uh, I'm a big fan of horror movies now, but I wasn't really allowed to watch scary movies as a kid. I had the um, stereotypical hippie parent upbringing. Uh, I couldn't you know, play with guns or army toys, and I wasn't allowed to watch horror movies. So I watched this when I was staying over at a friend's house, and I had nightmares about it for like six years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I similarly was not really allowed to watch a ton of like horror movies, though my parents were totally fine with me watching super violent action movies with Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, snapping people's necks and shit. But <laughs> uh, don't know why, but... Um, uh, but yeah, I saw, but I did see this one day. It was on cable, probably Cinemax or HBO. And uh, I remember watching it one afternoon, like a Saturday afternoon, and uh, kind of enjoying it, but then starting to get freaked out, you know, um, when, when like stuff gets a little little gruesome. And then um, we went out to eat with my, the whole family went out to eat uh, afterwards. And uh, I just could not stop thinking about that scene where the, where the, clown is sort of like waving at the the girl in the restaurant oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) so that was the one for you huh yeah totally totally um for me it was absolutely when they first discover the guy inside the cotton candy oh yeah you you see his face inside the cotton candy and watching it now it's the effects are not great um but as a child that was the most horrifying thing in cinema history to me so yeah yeah it's pretty it's pretty gruesome i mean um I, uh, I, I was definitely, yeah, I, I similarly was kind of, I was grossed out, but I, I was at the, I, I don't know, I was at that stage where I was, like, really starting to get fascinated by horror stuff, you know, because it was, for, you know, it was forbidden, and, you know. Yeah. I didn't have that stage until I was in my 30s, I think. Um, I was, 
I was afraid of garbage pail kids, and uh, I wouldn't go into toy stores because when I was young, Mad Balls were really popular. Oh wow! They terrified me. I had a very, very like low tolerance for the macabre as a child, so Killer Clowns pretty much fucked me up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, actually, I had a similarly. Um, I had I definitely. I think that's probably why I actually did not finish watching the movie when I first saw it way back as a kid, uh, because I had a similar kind of like. I mean, I was fascinated by it, but it was also very... Something about uh, funny horror was very kind of confusing to me as a kid, I think. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and like similarly, Garbage Kill, Pale Kids are one of those things that would... uh, left me kind of like really like, you know, (laughs) I uh, I was definitely the same. And I think a lot of it does, like you mentioned it too, the, the confusion of silly horror and, um, this is really that. And it's not necessarily scary in a traditional horror movie sort of way, as much as it's like gross out humor, kind of the same thing as the garbage pail kids. And I still really don't have a stomach for gross out humor. I love horror movies. Like, I, I pay Shudder every month to watch horror movies, but yeah. stuff like this just doesn't sit well with me. There's just something that I find really off-putting about, I don't know, everything in this is really rubbery and slimy, and it's just not my scene at all. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I I have gone on to be very, I, I'm very fond of goopy horror, but not like, I don't really like this. I mean, this kind was, uh, it, I think, because it reminds me of the smell of, like, uh, latex and, like, Halloween stores and Ugh, stuff. Yeah. You know, it's like that sweet smell, but it's, like, also kind of <laughs> gross and rubber. Yeah, it's like this weird, you know, yeah. It's it's just like this, I just remind, and also I think uh, the cheapness of a lot of those kinds of horror movies, the way they look is adds to the, the horror of them in a weird way, to where they feel more gross and, and, and just... You know, I don't know what it is. Uh, yeah, there's the something word? really gritty about it. Like you're almost like you're watching something that you're not supposed to see, and and the lack of a budget, I think, really contributes to that for sure. Yeah, yeah. Although one of the things I really did like about this was the fact that uh, they do actually do a lot with what little they have. I mean, they do. I mean, they commit to the bit like <laughs> quite. I mean, I I was really I I was actually kind of more. I actually kind of really admired this movie after a while because like. The, the the creativity in which they really just literally just totally went with the clown thing through the whole thing. I mean, oh yeah, I mean they 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 deliver on what they are telling you know promising you you know killer clowns from outer space. Well, that's what we're getting. <laughs> I I don't think I've ever seen someone commit to clowns this much that aren't insane and in a posse. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. I mean oh my god. Like I mean if this had been made like post like 1996 or something. I mean, they could have like added some like acid Fago or something. Or... Oh, they, yeah, they, they might've put this out on their weird little video label. Um, this, oh this, yeah. I know for a fact, like after I watched this, I was like thinking about it. I'm like, I wonder if ICP liked this movie. I bet they did. And it turns out they've sampled dialogue from this in multiple songs. So yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think it's a pretty, pretty safe bet. um uh, also who apparently well at least i don't know if they i don't i don't know what they thought of the final product but they definitely contributed were the dickies oh yeah that song is great by the way like when that the theme song came on i was like this is way way awesome it's 
I feel like it's better than the movie deserves, um, especially when you listen to the rest of the music in the movie, which is an interesting choice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but that Dickies song is great. I, I didn't realize it was them. And then he started singing, and I'm like, oh, shit, that's the Dickies. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Um, it's kind of like um, uh, it, it, had a, it had a similar kind of vibe to, like, uh, the Ramones uh, Pet Cemetery song, you know, where it's like it's got, you know, it's got that uh, – a lot of keyboards in it and stuff, but it still still retains a little bit of the old punk. Yeah, to it, they you know. they say the title of the movie a whole bunch. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's like a little it's like a little like a micro genre, uh, like uh, first wave punk bands doing uh, <laughs> like horror movie themes. <laughs> that would be a great mixtape, actually. Just songs where the band says the name of the movie. <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> I mean, the entire Misfits discography. I mean, oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I'm trying to think where to start. Like, I mean, we could go over the plot, but it's really just because it's because it's basically just a spoof of old, you know, alien invasion movies from the 50s and stuff. It's really don't only. I mean, some clowns come down come down in a spaceship that looks like a giant circus tent and uh, wreak some havoc. Uh, it looks like a circus tent when it's on the ground. When it's in the air, it looks like a top. <laughs> Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. It's that's an true. important distinction. <laughs> true, 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 true. And uh, you know, and of course, in uh, true uh, circus clown fashion, it's like everything is bigger on the inside of the ship than it is on the outside. Weirdly, uh, a trope that you do see in a lot of real life supposed UFO reports too. Huh. Okay. <laughs> well, it's it's good to know this movie was uh, very accurate and. <laughs> <laughs> truly, truly mining the depths of uh, UFO knowledge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they do even go there with the ancient astronaut stuff. They're like... Oh, I wrote it down, and um, the actual line is, maybe alien... Sorry, maybe ancient astronauts came to our planet centuries ago, and our idea of clowns is based on them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say, based on a lot of the uh, proponents of ancient astronauts theory, I mean, there is a lot of clowning, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I read Chariots of the Gods a while ago, a long time ago for our show, and I know you just, you watched the documentary recently, and it's uh, it's profoundly silly. Yeah, yeah. I have a pretty high tolerance for kookery if it's, like, interesting, if it's, like, there's just, like, variety to it. <laughs> but, like, that stuff just gets very, very one note. This movie, I, I mean, what I really admired about it was that it was actually very creative. Like, it didn't stick to one gag. It really went through the whole, you know, um, bag of tricks that clowns are known for, you know? Yeah, it, it unwrapped the hobo bindle and <laughs> pulled out a bunch of gimmicks. Um, it, I, I do agree. And like you were saying earlier, it really does have, there's a lot of spirit in it as far as kind of a, I, I'm reluctant to use the word indie because I don't know who or why or how this movie was financed, <laughs> but it does really have the spirit of like, a good low budget indie movie where there's there's a lot going on compared to the production value and that's admirable for sure. I think I kind of had a problem with this movie personally nowadays watching it now that I'm actually into horror movies and stuff like that. I think my my beef with this is that it's not really that funny and it's not really that scary. So I I don't know like some, I guess the semiotic sort of way to describe it is like this movie signifies scary a lot, but it never actually is scary. It right. like it assumes familiarity with with horror movie tropes, and then it just kind of nods at them, and and you're supposed to understand 
and process that. And I feel like a lot of the enjoyment comes from that. And like, definitely it got me at certain points, but if I didn't, if I wasn't familiar with horror movie tropes, I don't know like if this movie would necessarily even really be that entertaining because so much of it is about not even subverting tropes, just occupying them and acknowledging them and then kind of being like, Hey, check out what we're doing. And then moving on to the next, like there's a whole scene with the uh, Nosferatu shadows on the wall. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, I, I, it's basically just like doing those those tropes, but like putting putting some clown makeup on them. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know, like maybe it's just me and I have a low tolerance for it, but like I, I grew up a pretty nerdy kid with nerdy friends and I learned pretty early on that references are not comedy. <laughs> right, 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 right. that's kind of how we communicate it and it gets really tiring really fast and watching a movie do that, I, I mean, I have to admit by the end of this, I was a little exhausted. Um Mostly because of that. I just really felt like there was so much wink and nod going on that there wasn't a lot of room for the story itself to really go anywhere or breathe. I don't know. Maybe I'm being too cranky about it. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, I could understand that. I think really, though, uh, it is definitely working on that level of basically it's it's a movie made for people who like this type of shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was made by people who probably grew up on those old horror movies, you know, and and just wanted to do a, a fun, dumb thing for, you know, however much money they got for it. I uh, can't have been much more than like a million bucks. <laughs> yeah, but, no, definitely not. Oh, it really is kind of like you were saying. It's definitely by enthusiasts for enthusiasts, I feel like, in a lot of ways. And um, it, it in some ways, it did make me kind of nostalgic for, I guess, there was definitely a time where movie language was very streamlined. And this is kind of at the height of it, I imagine, because... Yes. You know, the entire setup to this movie is um, like two 30 year old quote unquote students um, yeah. <laughs> make, making out in a like a dirty inflatable raft in the back of a Jeep. Yeah. And then <laughs> they see uh, what ends up being the big top going over and they think it's a shooting star. And this is like literally the way the entire plot gets set up is one of them. The, the woman goes. Ooh, what's that? A shooting star. We should check it out. And he's like, we should go check it out. And then they go over to the shooting star. And that turns out to be, you know, the horrifying big top. And um, there is, there's an economy there that, you know, nowadays in a movie, it would take 45 minutes to get to that point, And you'd have to examine all of the, uh, you know, all of the motivations that the characters had to getting there. And back then you could just be like, let's make some rubber clown costumes and shoot a movie about it and set it up with, five minutes of dialogue and there is something kind of i don't know it's it's a lost art for sure absolutely yeah that was kind of what made me like this a bit more uh was that it doesn't waste any time really i mean it is doing what it's doing efficiently (laughs) yeah oh absolutely efficiency is i think kind of a buzz buzzword for this movie for sure something that i kept coming back to is there's there's a lot of economy and efficiency on display here um, it moves from beat to beat very quickly and without wasting time. And um, you can tell they, they just wanted to get all of their, their killer clown gags in and they, they hit all the beats that they need to to do so. So, yeah, it's, it's a very efficient movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is a, uh, a clown joke delivery device. <laughs> there are also just some really good moments, though, I feel like that are – it's one of those things where you feel like you're hearing someone else's inside joke um, – like at the very beginning of the movie, right after the the thirty year old students, yeah, <laughs> um, see the uh, 
the shooting star. They cut to very stereotypical, like, hillbilly kind of character. Yes. Who, who sees it flying over. And do you remember what he says? <laughs> uh, I Oh, God. I, I don't remember exactly what he says. Do you remember? Uh, he thinks it's an asteroid. Oh, that's and, right. Yeah. And Haley's he, Comet. Yeah, Haley's Comet. Sorry. And he, he wants to go there for some reason so he can take it, I think, because he has a shovel. And, <laughs> and he has, like, this weird-ass line that I don't know what the motivation was for writing it, but when he's getting his dog and leaving his his house or his shack, he says, they're going to have hot dogs, they're going to have helicopters, airplanes, and tacos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I, you know what? I, I uh, Believe it or not, the last movie we did last week was Life Force from 1985, and that involves... Haley's Comet also. Um, and, <laughs> Probably more than this one does. Yeah, yeah. But I th- I'm thinking like that, like that, uh, there, I mean, there, I'm, I mean, again, I was alive at this time, but I was very young, uh, a small child, so I don't really remember it, but apparently, I guess there was a lot of uh, hype about Haley's Comet coming through in the mid 80s. Oh, there so, definitely was. Like, yeah. if this is 87, I would have been eight years old, and I definitely remember Haley's Comet being a big thing when I was young. I, I also lived near NASA, so there was a little bit of space madness, but I, I think Haley's Comet was kind of a cultural phenomenon elsewhere as well. Yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking, like, that's probably what that's reflecting a little bit. But, um, yeah, that that character is, like, definitely a stock character you see, like, all those old fifties horror movies, like the blob and God knows every what else. I mean, uh, that- I, I just like that. He, he, he was convinced he was going to get Haley's comet with a shovel and that there were going to be tacos there for some yeah. reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like Haley's comet is like literally just a tiny little meteorite. Yeah. Instead of like a huge giant comet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Um, I, I was actually like going back to that line and I'm like, well, does this make sense if he thought it was actually saw it was a big top? Then then would he have a reason to talk about hot dogs and tacos? But I don't think I've ever seen tacos at the circus. So I just feel like that was a charming non sequitur that probably had something to do with an inside joke amongst the writers and directors and their friends. Possibly. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I think it was shot in uh, California, so I guess there's probably more. I mean, you get you. I mean, you live out there. I mean, definitely more taco culture there. <laughs> there is, and I mean, I wasn't here as a kid. I was in Florida, but I mean, as far as I know, I think there's not really <laughs> the taco circus is not a concept I've yeah. ever heard of anywhere. So I, I, I just don't think this makes sense. And any maybe he saw the ice cream truck and he thought it was a taco truck. Um, <laughs> Oh, yeah, because there is an ice cream truck with a big terrifying clown head on top of it made of paper mache. Yeah, yeah. Actually, if we could sidetrack here, that's one of my favorite parts of this movie is, I don't know what you'd call it, but the vehicles in this movie have weird costumes. Like, there's the ice cream truck with the paper mache head. The clowns drive this, like, evil alien clown car that's really obviously, like, a pacer or like a Yugo yeah. or something that someone taped a bunch of cardboard to and spray painted it to make it look like, like an Ed Coop hot rod or something. It's yeah, really, totally. really over the top and silly. And I, I enjoyed that a lot. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. Driven by the uh, ice cream truck driven by the, was it Terenzi brothers or something like, yeah. Another great example of supposed young people being played by dudes who are pushing 40. Like yeah. <laughs> these, these two guys have, 
I mean, I'm not here to to cast aspersions on anyone else's complexion. Like, I'm I'm 42. My skin is not perfect, but these guys are wrinkly and they have some pretty serious acne scarring going on. And just, I mean, they look like old guys, and they're yeah. supposed to be the troublemaking teenagers. It's pretty harsh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, oh god, I I feel like. I don't know what it is. I guess maybe just beauty beauty regimens have gotten more, you know, advanced and more rigorous. They also just, I think, used to cast older back That's, then. I think it's definitely more of the latter. Like, yeah. you know, for all of the talk nowadays about people casting older people to play young people, if you go back even into the 90s and look at, like, Beverly Hills 90210 yeah. and stuff, like, <laughs> nobody on that show looked like they were even 10 years away from high school. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, it's kind of, but it is kind of interesting because you also see like those shows, like, okay, well, like compare like the Star Trek cast from the '60s with the the newer Star Treks with the same characters, you know, with newer younger actors who are mm-hmm. mostly about the same age, but you know, they looked definitely a lot more rough in the older show, and I think it's just because, I mean, that's this this is not necessarily the, the case in this movie, but definitely yeah. in a lot of movies, I think it's really because people aged more back then probably because they lived harder lives you know yeah i think that has a lot to do with it like nutrition i think also too like probably we're a lot more advanced as far as makeup and stuff like that goes nowadays as well absolutely definitely i know like you mentioned star trek and star trek really has kind of an old-timey stage makeup look to most of the characters whereas now i feel like there's probably a lot more technological advances being uh being harnessed like airbrushing and whatnot I oh don't absolutely know. Yeah. yeah yeah i mean i the science of making people look pretty however that however that you know however that cup and says just gotten more uh you know uh powerful i guess uh, yeah well <laughs> for good and kids, for ill they, <laughs> kids these days with their instagrams and what if phones but too much yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah so the terenzi brothers so like these troublemakers i mean like the main character, I, I guess he's the main character. I mean, uh, this Mike is that his name? Yeah, I mean the the cast is listed in the cast as Mike Tobacco, the oh, name of the character. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they ever say his last name, but I I noticed that when I was reading the Wikipedia earlier, I was like Mike Tobacco. Like I feel like I would have remembered his name was Tobacco. But... This is probably just a placeholder that just made it all the way to the final movie um <laughs> yeah the other characters are <laughs> officer firearms and his girlfriend debbie alcohol yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh speaking of police we have uh john vernon uh aka dean wormer from animal house as the uh cranky uh shitbag sheriff um <laughs> oh or, yeah he's he's police. a real winner <laughs> yeah yeah I imagine that was probably a big get for them. I mean, it, like he had to be because, like, you know, we we're thinking we need a Dean Wormer type, and they're like, "Is he available?" Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He hasn't done anything for like five years. Yeah, exactly. It's really interesting to me because this movie, based on gore and violence alone, I feel like at the time was probably a hard R. Am I mistaken? Is it PG thirteen or is it R? It's PG thirteen. I mean, it... oh, okay, that explains some of it then, because yeah. he is he dances around saying the f word so many times that it absolutely shocked me. Because I was like, this is a movie that shows people's heads getting punched off, but it won't say fuck. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, I guess if it was PG-13, that probably was a calculated decision. I'm really surprised this movie isn't rated R, but maybe that's just my puritanical sensibilities. I don't know. It does ride up to that line. I think there's one fuck in the entire movie. Um, And I'm pretty sure it was said by one of the bikers. Oh, wow. Yeah. Actually, I'm looking here and yeah, I... The history of PG-13 movie horror movies is pretty intense. The Ring was PG-13. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's that's one of those ones that really shows that you can do a lot on a PG-13. The Grudge, um, Insidious, like these are a lot of movies that I did not think were PG PG-13. Drag Me to Hell is a PG-13 movie. Yeah, that's intense. I mean, yeah, that's, I mean that one's crazy because I I mean that that one goes pretty far. But yeah, again, it really is just. It's pretty arbitrary sometimes, a lot of the, tr- like, what makes something PG-13 versus R. But I think really, honestly, more than anything, it's usually the swearing. Yeah. Well, that's good. <laughs> what a great society we have. It's it's all about the curse words. Yeah. Or showing or showing boobs or something, yeah. you know. That's, yeah, you can have graphic eviscerations and stuff, but if, if anyone says fuck with their top off, you're in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god! Um, <clears throat> oh so, yeah. Speaking of, I did like that scene with the shower. Uh, the uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it, I mean, it, it, like, the, I mean, they, obviously, there's no real nudity in it. Uh, but I, I did like this whole thing with the little thread with the popcorn uh, things. Oh yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. I, I don't, I don't recall exactly how that thread begins, but I know that the clowns do carry around. They look like bowling bags, but they have popcorn yeah. inside them. I don't know why. Yeah. I think they're like I think literally they're like little larval clowns. I mean that's like oh. or, or something. Oh yeah, because she sees them in the hamper when she's in the bathroom. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, because she cares. They uh, when yeah, because earlier in the movie they go to this. The, uh, she and the other guy, Mike Tobacco, uh, <laughs> go, go go into this go into the spaceship. They're like, what is this? Is a circus tent, you know? And then um, of course it turns out to be a spaceship. It's chintzy, but it's exactly what it needs to be, and I, I really appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how well it reads on screen, but my thoughts throughout it generally were like, this would be a fun place to visit. It reminded me of like those uh, rides at the at the county fair that are like Indiana Jones themed, and it's like multi levels, and you go through a ball pit and things. It kind of reminded totally. me of watching adults playing Legends of the Hidden Temple. Um, oh, for oh yeah, my fellow olds out there. Oh yeah. I remember that. <laughs> what was that? What was the name of that talking head guy? I don't know. <laughs> oh, wow. Something, I don't know. Something stereotypically Aztec, I would guess. Molmec? Was it Molmec? Olmec? Olmec. That's it, okay. yeah. Olmec, yeah. I, yeah, I have a, a good friend whose sister was on Legends of the Hidden Temple, and her, oh, man. <laughs> her team won, so they had a foosball table in their garage. <laughs> Sweet! <laughs> Oh my god! I mean, I was like, if I if I had had somebody like that as a friend, like they would be like a god to me. Like I'd be like, please let me come over. I want to f- play your magic foosball table that you that you got by going up to Valhalla or whatever. Oh, it's <laughs> awesome too because his sister, you know, she grew up to be a very nice, respectable woman, but she was a lot of trouble as a kid. Like she punched a cop. Um, oh wow! <laughs> in her teenage years, and went to went to jail for the night and had to get bailed out and stuff. And yeah, she started her illustrious career as a member of the uh, purple parrots on legends of the hidden temple so <laughs> there you go it's the the nickelodeon to delinquency um super pipeline. highway yeah pipeline yeah <laughs> so, yeah it's full of gack or ooze or slime or whatever that stuff is <laughs> oh no now i'm like thinking of like a court like 
<laughs> How do you plead? I don't know. All right. Anyway. <laughs> hey, Alistair. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, oh my God. I I have not thought about that show in millions of years. Uh, yeah, you can't do that on television. I think this kind of goes back to what I was talking about earlier with the the hippie gross child out. Ch- childhood yeah. and gross out because we didn't we didn't have cable so all i wanted to do when i went over to anyone's house that had cable was watch nickelodeon and yeah the the slime always freaked me out which i'm sure is probably the tamest thing on the planet but that green oatmeal that really uh that was shocking to me as a kid oh wow wow yeah i mean well I, the gack wasn't such a big problem for me but like the uh um i don't know i bath i even though like you know, I was a kid, and all kids supposedly love that. I hated bath. I've always hated like bathroom humor and stuff. Oh, I never liked it. You know, and it always kind of just leaves me. It's a weird hang up I have. Uh, I still kind of have it a little bit, but not too much. <laughs> as much, not as much. So, so um, you weren't a fan of of Barth, the cafeteria guy? No, <laughs> I I still feel nauseous thinking about that. I mean. Like, I, I still sometimes will go, I heard that, and no one knows what I'm talking about anymore, but that's fine. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, it kind of, I guess, a, a early um, early kind of warning sign about the fact I was going to grow up to be an asshole who picks everything apart was after a couple times of watching that show, it started to bother me that after someone said, I don't know, and got slimed, that they wouldn't just immediately say water so they could get washed off. And it just sucked me right out of the show. I was like, "Why aren't they saying water?" <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I I, uh, I I feel like I probably would have had the same thought, but I, I guess I didn't. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, that I would I'd definitely be like, "Ah, water! Come on, <laughs> just get this off of me! Yep, <laughs> get all the slime off of me!" I could do that oh. better, and I reject this premise. It's the podcasting brain. Yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> um. But yeah, that was a big major dose of uh, Canadian uh, culture. Um, <laughs> a precursor to my obsession with Kids in the Hall a few years later. Um. <laughs> oh yeah, me too, yeah. Uh, Kids in the Hall and what was the other? The State, I was a big fan of that. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah The State, yeah. Oh God. Uh, we could talk about 90s sketch comedy all fucking day. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there are no rubbery clowns involved, so that's good. Yeah. Uh, the costumes in this I wanted to talk about because they're really well done, but they're really gross. Uh, and I feel like that's probably the most effective part of this movie for me, at least, is the the clown costumes are there's something else, you know, yeah. it's like rubbery latex and kind of this idea that they're alien creatures that look like clowns. So they don't wear makeup. They just have weird like their noses are these weird protrusions. And it's a little nasty. Yeah, absolutely. It's I mean, they're they're very lumpy and like like the there's a bigger one later in the movie that looks like almost like basically a crocodile just with clown makeup on. You know, it's like very. Yeah, it's it's I mean, the makeup is very the, the, the animatronics. I mean, Whatever it was, it was worth the money they spent. I mean, because it really does. It's one of the better looking things in the movie for sure. The the large clown at the end that you referenced, I I discovered on Wikipedia. The creators referred to it as Clownzilla internally. So that sounds like a good rapper name too. Uh. <laughs> yeah, you could definitely be on Psychopathic Records with the name Clownzilla. Totally, totally, totally. Oh my god! You could play with with Twisted and Blaze Your Dead Homie. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, um, the gathering of the 
I, I, I don't have, I don't have a good gag for that. Uh, I don't have a good. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to top. Like you, you run into diminishing returns when you try to make jokes about insane clown posse because they've already perfected their joke like way better than any outsider ever could. So. Totally, 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 totally. Um, this is this is of course a complete tangent, but I just remember when everybody, like every freaking magazine, had some kind of like uh, article about, oh, I'm going to uh, the uh, the gathering of the Juggalos to be a, you know as like a cultural anthropologist, oh. and I'm going to go study these uh, these 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 uh, goofy weirdo freaks and uh, figure out their ways and stuff. And <laughs> yeah, I think Nathan Rabin was kind of the first one to do it, and then everyone saw that and was like, "Ooh, let's hop on board the money train." Yeah, I've got deep thoughts about Juggalos, and I mean, you could say a lot of things about Insane Clown Posse and their culture, but totally. they don't take themselves too seriously. No. And I feel like it kind of ruins the premise of so many of these articles that are like, we're going to pierce the veil and go behind the scenes in this wicked clown world. And it's like, I don't know, like they know it's silly. That's part of the fun. Yeah, yeah. You're not, you're not Truman Capote. Exactly. <laughs> totally, totally. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, it's not it's not like you're going to like a, a QAnon thing where people are dead serious about that crazy shit, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you could have just called any of these guys on the phone. Like, I'm... I'm sure, like, Chew-Faced Infected or whatever hatchet man you want to talk to would have a great old time telling you about Juggalo philosophy and yeah. <laughs> what it represents. You don't have to go into deep cover. Like. Yeah. <laughs> Thinking you're going to be, like, the Margaret Mead of the, the Juggalos or something. <laughs> I'm imagining, like, some New Yorker columnist, like, carefully applying face paint and clown. <laughs> I'm going to win a Pulitzer for this. Making like a, a serial type podcast that's like, oh my god, day one, I apply the pancake makeup. <laughs> like, I know today's going to be a day that I've never experienced before. <laughs> oh my, oh god, yeah. It's imagine the the serial theme, like, but it's like these little clown clown nose honk noises. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you need some you need some bone mots in there too, yeah. like um, I, I don't know. This this group from Detroit redefined the world of rap for suburban kids everywhere. But today I would learn they weren't just clowning around. <laughs> I, I, totally. Oh my god. Ah. Uh, so anyway, the, uh, so these space clowns. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing a real good job talking about everything but killing. Oh, it's okay. It's space. okay. I don't. Mind. We're yeah. We're we're killing it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so so like, I I really I do like this 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 clown set. Like, I've come to really appreciate the craftiness of the of small movies that really just, um, just go the extra mile with the sets and stuff. Um, Like, I was watching these uh, old Roger Corman like Alien ripoffs from like the early eighties, and. I mean the the set design on these things. And these movies cost like practically nothing, but like the set design is I mean it's not as good as like the original Alien or Star Wars or anything like that, but like they have they are like you have people who are really dedicated to making the most of what they have with the, like all this junk that they just throw on the walls and paint, but like I it just I just you know, I I've always been kind of like a amateur filmmaker, so like I really appreciate that, you know. It's like something that's uh really close to my heart with like what I like about making movies. Um, yeah. The, 
the big top set, the interior, I, I called it the big top. I think they call it a circus tent throughout the movie, but yeah. the inside of the spaceship, I guess, is a really cool set. Like I said earlier, the Legends of the Hidden Temple or whatever, but yeah. it's something that they do a thing, and I don't really know how to describe it in a short way, so I'm just going to say a bunch of words right now. Oh, go ahead. No. But they're, they're really like, there's an embrace of the soundstage aesthetic here. Yeah. There's not really any attempt made to make this look like a realistic location. There's a lot of um, kind of stylization, and everything's very neon and colorful. And, like, yeah. there's scenes where they're just standing in a huge empty black void with some neon stuff around them and circus-colored stuff. And it's really cool. It's effective, and it does make – it makes the inside of this tent seem like a huge, weird other world. And I really like – you were saying earlier, I really like that they're kind of embracing – their limitations in a lot of ways because they're they aren't trying to put this forward as like if someone made this movie now they would try to make this a believable spaceship inside that's huge oh yeah some of these things are kind of circus themed whereas like they're really like let's just throw some circus shit in a dark soundstage and light it up spooky and it, i think that's way more effective honestly than some weird ass cg brown and gray oh like, absolutely yeah yeah Oh my god, I can imagine. I mean, I, pr well, if this was made now, it would be some really shitty direct-to-video thing shot in front of a green screen, and it would just be, like, unwatchable. Yeah, Sharknado kind exactly. of, like, bad on purpose. This, I, I can't stand that stuff. I think, you know, that's one of the things that's endearing about this movie, too, is it's not great, and it has a sense of humor about itself, but it's not just like, Haha, we're only kidding the whole time. Yeah. Like, obviously, some real passion went into this, and that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they really are, like, invested in making this a fun little thing, you know. And they, for some reason, they were driven to tell this story, you know, about <laughs> <laughs> these these clowns. These clowns from outer space who came to Earth um, trying to find... I don't know. I do we ever really know what they're here for other than just causing mayhem? I think I mean they I mean what uh, they do go to like they do like take everybody and make them into these these little cotton candy cocoons. Um I'm guessing from the cotton candy storage room. Yeah. That's a weird <laughs> weird phrase to use. But I'm guessing that that they feed on, you know, living things. So maybe this was like a pit stop. Totally, totally. Yeah, yeah, probably. It's just like, oh, this place looks good. Let's just, uh, <laughs> let's just bag a bunch of these earthlings and put them up in our cocoons. And um, but they and I mean, sp speaking of efficiency, earlier too, this movie takes place over the course of probably like three or four hours, and they've managed to round up the entire town by going door to door. Yeah, <laughs> so that's, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, the clowns have a plan. I mean, uh, like the Cylons, you know. <laughs> I, I love the one scene um, when they're in the beginning of their, their rampage and um, there's a little mini montage yeah. of them kind of going door to door. And the first one you see is there's very typical like 80s horror movie babe oh, totally. in a, neg a negligee and she answers her door after it rings and there's this creepy ass latex clown there with a pizza box and her reaction is, oh, pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess somebody, I mean, she's probably just used to people ordering it for her, you know, like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Is she an influencer? Um, I don't know. I don't know, yeah. But 
people it it should be mentioned too like people in whatever fictional town this is are just really cool with rubber clowns hanging around doing things like delivering pizzas or you know standing outside of a a burger shop yeah no it's like no one really seems frightened by these clowns whereas i think if i were to see any of these like creepy looking things i'd be like oh no and just turn around i would not be answering the door and then arguing with them about whether or not i have to pay for a pizza (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, Stephen King read a whole book about a, a freaky-looking clown, and the whole thing was that it was a freaky-looking clown that stood around. Uh, and, like, this is just like, eh. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe it's not, not on screen, but maybe this is, like, a, a town with a lot of clowns. Maybe there's a clown college there or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there, yeah, like, just like there was, there was that, like, uh, town in Florida with all the circus people in. Um, Oh yeah, Casadega. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're just used to seeing clowns and and uh yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Someone has normalized clown culture. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is it is one of the big the movie's big like I mean it's in, in a movie that has a lot of fantastical things, it is one of the big things like treat, treating these like abominations of nature as like just regular clowns yeah Yeah, they're horrific i mean it's to be fair i i went you know i grew up probably my early teen years and teen years in sarasota florida which is the home of uh ringling and uh there's a very very popular clown college in that town and i still can't think of any time that i went out to eat and there were just people in full (laughs) hanging around i think this would be notable no matter where you live to be quite honest yeah 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 i don't know maybe maybe they just have like some kind of uh you know this is just my my head cannon but they have (laughs) they have they have uh they have like they put some kind of like right like uh uh you know, some kind of mind control ray over the town to help to like ease ease their acceptance into the population while they do their thing. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, it's it's killer clouds from outer space. I feel like there's enough wiggle room here. Yeah, <laughs> no one's really no one's really expecting you to probably poke it apart as much as I do, um, just because that's the way I consume media. Unfortunately, I'm I'm cursed with that kind of brain. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's like. I don't know. The story works for what it is. So, I mean, sitting around going, why aren't these people scared of clouds? It's fun for me, but that's not what the movie is about. This isn't real real life. So. Yeah, yeah, obviously. <laughs> uh, one of the weaker things is like, so they have like the main character, his girlfriend, who's barely a character. Um, <laughs> she is a, a prop. Yeah. Like, I feel really bad to say it, but... All of her speaking lines, like, actually, I even, you know, one of the things that occurred to me right away is that the relationship between them, the main character is a really, like, a wise, cracky dude who tells horrible jokes. Yeah. And their their relationship really comes off as, like, an obnoxious, wise-cracking dad and, like, his obstinate five-year-old daughter more than it does, like, a romance. Because the way this movie is written is her just saying things like, Mike, I don't want to go in the tent and stuff like that. It's horrible. Yeah, yeah. It really, it really, it really is like the one of the movie elements of the movie I like least. Like, I mean, I I don't need these characters to be fully developed, but I it's like at least give them some interesting quirks or traits or you know shorthand something or other. Like they get, I mean, they spent they get like the the Terenzi brothers get more characterization than the girlfriend. Yeah, I she is. I think a kind of tragic reminder that this is a 1980s quote unquote comedy at its core because she is like very thinly drawn. 
it's very her whole portrayal is pretty misogynistic. It's yeah. a little it's one of my least favorite parts too. Yeah, absolutely. The other the other character they have that is like along for most of the movie is this cop guy who's like just a Ken doll in human form. Uh with just a Ken doll in a uniform. Um <laughs> Yeah, Officer Richard Marks. Yes. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I think that dates us. <laughs> Oh, I mean, I, I've, I'm embracing my old guyness. I mean, most most of what I watch on TV now involves elderly people solving mysteries. Oh yeah, so totally. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think it'll be a surprise to anybody that I know who Richard Marks is. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, he he's I, uh, again, again, this is like one of those things. He uh, there is a little bit of tension between him and the lead, but that's barely really explored uh i mean not that i really want it to be explored but it's brought up you have to have your your 1980s movie um love triangle oh totally okay they definitely it's the perfunctory love triangle my favorite new order all all those boxes are ticked and they stop being mad at each other because um the officer uh, officer richard marks (laughs) used to be Debbie's boyfriend before Mike met her, and there's some tension at first, but that's all resolved really quickly. It really feels like, oh, okay, we gotta we gotta do this, because this is a movie thing we have to do. Alright, now let's move on. Exactly, exactly. Oh, speaking of him looking like a Ken doll, later on in the scene where the, the giant clown picks him up, I literally think they did use a Ken doll for him. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I, I did notice uh, that it was a miniature yeah um but yeah i think you might be right um i wonder if that's like a, like a little in joke i don't know uh <laughs> so they like we have, this is the main three people you're with otherwise it's mostly consisting of like little vignettes of the of the clowns causing mayhem which is honestly the best part of the movie like uh like my like i did i love that biker scene it's it's just so very go- goofy um <laughs> oh yeah it's an 80s movie so um once again, one of the checkboxes needed to be like mean biker confrontation. That is really good. Um, one of the things that I liked a lot is that the clowns are on this mission or whatever it is, I guess, to to abduct this entire town and turn them into cotton candy. <laughs> and uh, but for some reason, two of the clowns their their particular job is apparently like do wacky things in a drugstore. Yeah, <laughs> and they keep they keep cutting back to these two just doing like slapstick gags in in a Rite Aid or something it's that's pretty awesome that's probably one of my favorite parts. yeah 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 he's just like yeah what the, what the one clown yeah the clown like sees like this animatronic like uh monkey gorilla thing dressed in like a clown type costume and so it like pretends to be like one of those things when some people walk past that's I like that's a cute little gag and then he's like buying a bunch of stuff just buying random shit just like Oh, I'm going to be here on Earth, so I might as well pick as many <laughs> souvenirs as I can, you know? <laughs> yeah. I just, I like that they, you know, they apparently dispatched a small strike team <laughs> to just go have hijinks in a drugstore. I enjoyed that yeah. a lot. And, and, and the biker, the biker scene's kind of funny because, like, it's, so there's, like, this little clown. Like, uh, the, like the, car- the clowns are kind of mostly look alike, but there's, like, a few that look a little more distinct, and, like, there's, like, this little clown, I think, that has kind of, like, the most memorable look to it, so it's, like, a and he, and he, it, it, uh, it's the one that has a conversation with the biker, like, the (laughs) biker, he rides up on his little tiny bike, and, of course, the bikers are, like, oh, what's that, you know, (laughs) and then he gets into a fight with the biker, knocks his head off, uh, that's, 
I don't know. That's, uh, that's movie magic to me. It's like <laughs> good, to, good, to good decapitation scene. I don't know. There's something. I, it was just something funny about literally like having your your block knocked off. <laughs> yeah, this ogre looking clown or ogre looking biker is like, "What you gonna do? Knock my block off?" And then the clown punches his head off. <laughs> yeah, that stuck with me as a kid because I, I remember really thinking that was hilarious as a kid. You know, um, I still I, I don't know. It still tickled me. I don't know why. <laughs> I just discovered I didn't know this until just now because I was trying to see if the uh, the little clown had a name. They all have names. I guess they aren't mentioned in the movie, but they all had names in the script. And it's all things like Jumbo, Shorty, Spiky, Slim. There's oh, Bibbo course. and Bippo. There's oh. there's a Fatso and a Chubby. So there's like you know degrading levels of body shame here. And yeah. Um, Talls, Talls the clown. And how about everyone's favorite? You mentioned him earlier. Storefront the clown. <laughs> Storefront. That's literally his name. Yeah. Oh. Well, I guess his 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 uh, part of the mission was predetermined. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's wow. I guess there is life on other planets after all. If they're just cruising cruising around the universe and they have a clown who's preset to uh, his whole thing is to hang out in front of stores. Yeah, yeah. They have like his whole cast system based on like what 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 you do and like yeah. That's that was his that was his lot in life is just to go go. <laughs> Go get shit from drugstores. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 yeah. And we forgot. I I can't believe this, but uh, what are they called? The Terenzi brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These guys. Um, yeah, I feel like the, these. For more than anything, I feel like these are probably the characters that the filmmakers identify with. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Because yeah, it was made by two brothers. Um, yeah, so yeah. I think this is definitely supposed to be them. But they get love interests at the very end, quote unquote. Oh yeah. <laughs> Which oh, are I forgot about them. Yeah. Two female killer clowns with inflatable breasts that yes. get larger and larger, and these guys are like, "Whoa, boobs!" It's pretty intense. Yeah, I mean, throughout the whole movie, I mean, that is their like their mission. Like at the beginning of the movie, they come up, they drive up to the lovers' lane area with their. Uh, oh yeah, the ice cream truck. They drive ice the ice cream truck. <laughs> yeah, this is a great that, idea. That's how they're gonna get girls, apparently, in in their weird fantasy world. Because and they have and they. And there's had, nothing thirty-something college students love more than the ice cream truck. Which yeah. is not creepy at all. Yeah, I mean, nothing gets me hungrier, you know, when somebody interrupts, you know, me and that, you know, in the heat of passion, you know. <laughs> do you want? Oh my god, do you want? Do you want a Klondike bar, kiddo? You know, like what? I'm trying to. Oh my god, and and of course they, of course they, you know, there's the obligatory '80s fat joke you know with some oh yeah there's there's larger two, women in there yeah, yeah two larger women who are are there because they they heard you could get all the ice cream that they wanted and so apparently these guys sinister gambit is paying off in that very 80s kind of way but yeah. i do really like that the way that our hero gets them to go along with him to fight the killer clowns is by telling him that his girlfriend has two roommates so when they meet the female killer clowns um of course, yeah. being cartoonishly stupid, they're like, "Are you Debbie's roommates?" Yeah, that, I did laugh quite a bit at that. That was a good, Me too. That was a good gag. <laughs> Not gonna but, lie, yeah, yeah. And and then of course, like later on when they show up, they're like covered up, covered in like giant lipstick stains, and their clothes are torn. Like, yeah, I, I kind of wanted. I mean, I 
don't want to know, but I kind of want to know what happened to those yeah. guys. <laughs> In the world of killer clouds from outer space, did the two wacky brothers finally lose it to uh, the killer yeah. clown women? I don't know. <laughs> and yeah, like you said, I don't want to know. So it's perfect. Yeah. It, it gives you just the right amount of detail. <laughs> Yeah, hey, it's hey. Who says this movie doesn't have you know ambiguity? And, and, uh, <laughs> one of the great movie mysteries of all time. Which is, <laughs> <laughs> did the stupid brothers fuck the clowns? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, what's in the briefcase in Pulp Fiction? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It- yeah, this ranks up there. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I'm really trying to think of something else because, like, <laughs> I think we're covering oh, I, both, covered most of the movie. Oh, oh, oh! There I is... have a couple things I want to talk about too, so let me know. But uh, okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, there is that scene. They do. There is an interesting setup and payoff uh, with the the police chief or sheriff or whatever. I don't know if it. I mean, I don't care if it's state or local. I mean, yeah, he's it, some sort of authority figure who's an asshole. That's all you need to know. He's he's like. I don't know, like the bad parent in a Twisted Sister video or something like that. Totally. I mean, it's literally played by the Dean from Animal House. Like they Exactly. This is obviously like they got the guy they wanted for this role. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, he... Uh, but earlier in the movie, he says, uh, no one's going to make a dummy out of me. And of course, it's like a throwaway thing. And of course, they, later on, they, they do pay it off. I mean... That's, I mean, that's that's restraint. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, no, I, I didn't even actually put that together until you just mentioned it, because I do remember when he said that, I was like, well, no one talks like this. Yeah. But they do pay it off, so, yeah. Yeah, it was it was Chekhov's uh, ventriloquist dummy joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I I had some thoughts about the, the sound in this movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Um. You know, I'm I'm an audio focused individual. I went to school for audio engineering and I'm just like really into not necessarily I mean I like movie music a lot. I also like sound design. And this movie had some instances where I feel like whoever was doing the sound editing was having a great time. Yes. So I enjoyed that a lot. Like there's a scene where um towards the beginning where Mike and Debbie pull up in the fuck Jeep yeah. uh, to the police station. And um, the police know they're coming because they hear some sounds outside. And <clears throat> when the camera cuts to outside, there's there's like the sound of like probably 12 to 14 automobiles peeling out simultaneously <laughs> as this Jeep drives slowly in the parking lot. And that part made me laugh a lot. And there's no way you do something like that accidentally. Like, I just really enjoyed that touch for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, uh, and obviously the clown noises. I mean... You, you can't you can't do like a little you can't like those little squishy buttons that they press with the little burp, burp. I mean you can't yeah not, it, it, I mean it's just like it's like kicking your knee it's like reflex it just makes you laugh <laughs> yeah it, it would have been it would have been super fun to to do the sound for this like there are just so many totally. goofy sound effects and the spaceship sounds are all pretty like old school and cool like practical foley work and stuff I don't know I I enjoyed that a lot. Um, the one thing I didn't enjoy, I guess, is the the music is yeah. pretty bad. Other than the Dickie song at the beginning, the rest yeah. of it is like, it's someone. I mean, I know this was the '80s, so technology wasn't that far when it came to like electronic composition. But this really sounds like somebody like with one synthesizer yes. 
And a lot of the songs in it are obviously supposed to be like rock or metal, so they use this synthesized electric guitar. Yeah, style. yeah, yeah. It reminds Ooh. me of like when I was when I was like first making electronic music when I was a kid, like with like general MIDI stuff, and it's just like very just. Yeah. <laughs> if you remember the soundtrack to Doom, it's like that yes. If it was if it wasn't done well. <laughs> you know, I'm really yeah. shocked. I'm really shocked that Doom like they were able to get away with like because there's some like straight up like riffs and and song entire like songs like rift like ripped off from metallica and slayer on that soundtrack on the original oh yeah yeah midi metal totally (laughs) Uh, i i was thinking in a lot of it like the tonality and also kind of the the composition style it really sounds like someone has a casio keyboard with a preset on it that says danny elfman yes 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 absolutely (laughs) yeah um I, w- I wish I mean I'm not really a super gearhead so I don't really know remember like what synth causes what you know I'm uh... there was a lot of Yamaha DX yeah DX7 yeah, yeah exactly yeah. Was, yeah there we go definitely I mean yeah there's FM synthesis all over the place in this movie so. totally totally it's very it has the, it just has that sound it's very late 80s but uh you know I, even that even though the music's not good it is pretty amateurish um it I it again it's part of the charm a little bit i mean it, it, it could have I mean, if it was even better actual actually great music would have made it better but i kind of didn't mind it even though it was very cheesy um but i i think what bugs me about it and this is something that happened a lot in the 80s is i feel like they're so obsessed with the novelty of the synthesizer yes. that they they neglected all these situations where whoever was writing the music wrote songs that would have been best performed by a guitar player, a bass player, and a drummer, yes. and instead decided to do it on their Yamaha synth with absolutely no percussion and these weird synthesized sounds, and I don't know. I mean, once again, I guess maybe it comes back to budgetary concerns and stuff. It's definitely cheaper to record a synthesizer through the headphone jack than it is to like buy studio time and get a band and, and all that stuff, but... It just it felt like a missed opportunity for me. There are definitely scenes of this that are scored by this kind of plinky synth music that's supposed to be dramatic, and I feel like it would have been much better if there was kind of a more decent score work going on um, yeah. that really kind of accented the uh, the action instead of distracting from it. But once again, I'm a nerd for this kind of stuff, so you know your mileage may vary. I, I get very focused on the music in movies, and one of my favorite things has been the the trend away from movie scores like uh over the past 10 15 years or so i feel like it's becoming more and more rare to hear score work that's obtrusive in a movie and i really like that um i feel like the 80s and 90s were kind of a dark patch of of movie composers showing off <laughs> so. things are definitely like the, the 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 distinction between sound design and scoring is definitely blurred a lot um yeah lot. yeah and I mean, you know, one of my favorites of all time, who's no longer with us, was Johan Johansson, who got into oh yeah uh, yeah score work towards the end of his career, and some of the stuff he did for like Arrival and Mandy and stuff, I oh, think is amazing. really good when it comes to blurring the line between sound design and and score work. And I like that so much, so much more than everybody trying to be John Williams. <laughs> oh yeah yeah totally totally absolutely. Um, because, like, even when they try to be like John Williams, they, they can't even get, like, as memorable as him. So it's, like, it's usually just, you know, it's just bombastic bullshit in a lot of these movies. Yeah. 
I mean, I have I have non-standard opinions about John Williams that probably once again relates to my nerdery, but I think bombastic is a great way to describe it. He's absolutely not my favorite, but I think he's good at what he does. Yeah. But every everybody trying to emulate that was a kind of a dark period in movie music history, I think. Um because yeah, yeah. yeah, there's a, there's only so many movies out there that need orchestral themes with for every single character and yeah. <laughs> interplay and reprising and stuff like yeah. like you don't need that everywhere. Um, so yeah, so at least you know this movie didn't do a lot of that. There is a theme and it's kind of a clumsy theme, but it comes back and and uh, you know in in kind of the pivotal scenes they they return to this leap motif. <laughs> Yeah, um, <laughs> of clown clown music, which I thought you know. Once again, obviously, if you're going to do music for Killer Clowns from Outer Space, I feel like your um, your direction is pretty firmly established by the time you sign the contract. And I do think that whoever wrote the score for this uh, was having fun with that, so I could appreciate that for sure. Uh, what other what other thing? Uh, one other thing that I thought was pretty cool um, is the clowns' voices are really creepy. Oh yeah, yeah, they did. They did lean into the alienness of them. That which I did appreciate. Yeah, they sound like Jawas from Star Wars at some point. Like, they had some fun with that. Yeah, there's a lot of weird treatment on on all of their dialogue, and I appreciated that, especially because the the masks' mouths don't move. So I'm really glad they went over the top with the. Uh, actually, they do, and they have horrible teeth. I I forgot about that. I had a note, but the clown's teeth are probably the scariest part of this movie. I think. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they were. Um, I'm trying to think. Well, like, what's that? It's like a style of art. I guess it's kind of like the what's again the guy who did all those. It, it, I don't know if it originated with him, but it's that style of sort of like it's cartoonish, but it's kind of grotesque and gar- oh, uh, yeah, Ed Coop. Yeah, yeah, or 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 Big Daddy Herm Ed Roth oh, or Big whatever. Big Daddy Roth, yeah, Ed Coop. Um, what's yeah? The, he did that birthday party album cover in the early eighties, and all, all of course all those classic hot rod. Uh, the original the Von Dutch, not the clothing line, but the neo Nazi painter. Um, I think they called it Garage Surrealism. Was the name for that style? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it definitely has that. It's it's definitely like a, it feels like a descendant of that uh, that kind of thing where it's just very it's it's grotesque and very yeah, but very detailed and and uh, but also just very. It's it is like like I said earlier, it's that weird thing with humor and horror. Like there's, I think that is why clowns are used in horror so much. I mean, other than just under people being a completely bankrupt for ideas and stealing, but like. In terms of like the original impetus between me- and making them a horror figure is that you know like you know like a, a shark or a monster or alien eating you is scary, but at the end of the day it's just doing what it does right so yeah. like but a clown it has an intelligence but it's mocking you as it's killing you or or doing whatever it's doing to you and sort of like there's that extra level of like it's like it it's 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 just it, it that's that's the thing that gets under your skin it's like it's, it feel it's like that malevolent intelligence between behind a clown mm-hmm. you know that's you know i think that's kind of the the thing i mean that's what stephen king really le- leaned into with yeah. it and stuff i think um, that's that's a huge part of it there's also <clears throat> pardon me there's also too like the bradbury uh, something wicked this way comes oh yes kind of, kind of approach where this there is kind of this 
like lost innocence element to having um, clowns and circus performers and things like that be evil because it's something that you know brings unquestioning joy to a lot of children. So when you take that and you kind of turn it on its head by suddenly having these characters being threatening, there's a lot of kind of cultural baggage associated with it. I feel like that automatically makes it scarier because you know so many people you know, think of this as safe and innocent and for kids that when you make it creepy, then suddenly you have like all of the associated feelings of, you know, childhood lost and things like that. I think yeah, it has a lot of that in it too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's like, there've been all there, um, there've been actually several waves over the years of clown scares. And like, I mean, you remember that one that was like right before it was like right, right before the election in 2016, it was like a bunch of like, Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. That happened. That started literally where I live in Greenville, South Carolina in like an apartment complex here. Like there was just like, and it just grew to this viral thing. And I think a bunch of real people dressing up as clowns in real life kind of made it even jumped on the thing and made it a thing. But like, it's this weird thing that, yeah, I think it really does freak people out. And I think it's, it might be, it all might be a partially tied to, uh, John Wayne Gacy in the 70s and stuff that's, too. Yeah, that's probably not uh, shouldn't be dismissed either because that's definitely something that's stuck in people's head. Um, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I was just thinking about like even, you know, the band Mr. Bungle had a song about an evil carnival, but they were also really into John Wayne Gacy. So yeah, I think there's, yeah. just, there's some linkage there for sure. Oh, totally, totally. I mean, it's it's again. It is like you said. It is. It's it's the combination. It's that lost. It's the lost innocence thing with clowns. Of course, now we're at the point where clowns are have just they're they're so yeah. the original Does original so- like clowns anymore. That's the question. Yeah, the original association with like innocence is almost completely gone, and they're just almost all now grotesque, you know, figures. Uh, yeah, it's it's. I was like thinking about this because there's like a lot of things like that where the innocence of them is like feels like it's completely lost and can't recapture it like i was talking i remember in the previous episode i was talking to my co- uh, guests on there uh, about star trek and like how all the new star treks are always very dark and gritty and mm-hmm. very and very like i mean i don't know i, I they're hit or miss whatever i mean the quality but like it's just like the, it's just like you feel like this essential optimism that came that inspired the originals just no, you just can't recapture it you know yeah i i agree with that for sure we've we've kind of moved on from that as a, a society and i think that's a little sad in some ways but that might just be my oldness talking i don't know yeah i mean it is i think it is a little sad i mean but i mean and and i think that just it's like there's a lot of things like that i think clowns are kind of like that i i think the, the cold the whole clown horror thing is really a I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it has been discussed to death uh, a million times in academia and stuff, but I'm, it's it, it is fascinating, like how it has persisted so much as a thing. I mean, you got the, of course, you have the Joker and stuff like that too. That has, <laughs> all all that baggage associated with that character. I can't and, even hear the words the Joker anymore without laughing. Thank you, Internet. Um. <laughs> totally, totally, yeah. yeah. I'm going to become a killer clown. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've been I've been killer clown pilled by Reddit. Um, totally. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um, but yeah, it, it just, there's just something about that I, the, the whole clown thing. It's it still persists. Of course, at this point, it really is just. I think it's just it's just a stock thing now. But I it it does I think still have a little bit of 
juice left in it. Um, yeah, I'm, I mean, I know circuses aren't really as much of a thing anymore for many reasons. Most of them good. Um, yeah. You know, but I wonder, like, does anyone still appreciate clowns as clowns or have they just become this kind of signifier for creeping terror? Because I'm, I'm really curious whether there are children now who like actually want pictures of clowns in their room <laughs> as opposed to ones that are horrified by it. Cause I'd be willing to bet it's the latter. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think, I think they're probably more like uh less, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure that I don't, you know, I don't know. Cause it's like, yeah, because like you said, circuses have gone away pretty much, except for like, you know, things like yeah. Cirque du Soleil and yeah, stuff art, like that. Yeah, art circus for adults is still a thing, but I mean, I remember even in the 80s as a kid, like, the circus would come to town and, you know, I'd go with yep. my friend's family because once again, my weird hippie parents were not having it. But, um, you know, you'd get popcorn and there'd be clowns like doing clown things and everyone would laugh and I just feel like that would not play now. <laughs> Like no, people, people no. would be like, look at these creeps. <laughs> totally, totally, totally. I mean, and, and yeah, I, I don't know. I just remember I did go to the circus as a kid. It was like a Shriner circus, I think. And we just went one Sunday with my family and it was the most depressing thing I ever saw. Like, I just remember feeling depressed by it. Like, cause yeah. it just felt, I mean, the animal thing for one, you know, seeing all these animals forced to just like do these shitty tricks and stuff. And then just the general vibe of it just felt very. I mean, you mentioned earlier in the context of this movie, but I think it also applies to the circus as well. There's there's just kind of a dingy grittiness to it. Yes. And I feel like you have to be very young to not recognize that. Because I know the last time I went, I was probably 12 or 13, and I remember having the same sort of impression where I, I felt kind of saddened by it and a little repulsed. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and 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 also the smell. I think that's another thing you can't... Like, oh, animals. yeah. <laughs> that was crazy to me. People are eating popcorn, and, and the whole place smells like elephant shit. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's just like this weird cognitive dissonance about what what this is supposed to be like uh, is this supposed to be fun right <laughs> <laughs> i don't know um is there anything left to talk about with this movie i think we pretty much yeah no uh, i think we've, we've drained all of the juice out of this husk so yeah yeah we uh we uh the seltzer bottle is uh empty <laughs> <laughs> um but uh any final thoughts, uh, <laughs> Jerry Springer style? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean... Talking I, about three-ring circuses, am I right? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's important for people to know that clowns can be dangerous. No, um, in, all, <laughs> in, in all seriousness, I, I think, you know, I'm glad I revisited this because I got to defang some of my fear around it because it turns out this movie is not scary at all if you're right, not a yeah, weird... Exactly strangely sheltered in specific ways kid like i was and so i'm glad i got that opportunity and also you know it was it was a fun reminder of a time when when movies like this were all about practical effects and zany premises and not so much necessarily about psychological trauma and terror and things that are hard to deal with like i like horror a lot but uh, some of the movies you know are a little hard to deal with at times and this is just like a silly romp with some creatures and some weird effects and it's a good time. So it was good to remember that things like this existed. You just have to get past a little bit of the eightiesness of it, but all in all, yeah, I, I thought it was a good, a good trip down memory lane. Couldn't have said it better. Well, thank you very much, Jay, for coming. Um, 
Uh, is there anything you'd like to promote or anything, or is uh, you, or is are you, is the podcast still active, or are you still just yeah, yeah? Like... We're we're on a um, somewhat what's the word I'm looking for? Somewhat reduced output right now. Um, gotcha. Post pandemic, we're we're doing an episode a month now instead of every two weeks, but uh, we are doing that pretty regularly. We have another episode that'll be either out shortly by the time you hear this, or already out. Um, I don't even own a television.com has all of our social media and links to all the new episodes. So yeah, um, we'll, we'll be continuing to do an episode a month and maybe at some point get back up to speed or maybe not because it turns out reading a bad book every two weeks is really hard once you're out, yeah. of, <laughs> out of practice and, um, yeah. So, um, but yeah, we're still doing our thing. So check it out. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Uh, talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. If you have any constructive comments, movie suggestions, or stories of your own otherworldly sightings or encounters, drop us a line at saucercinemapod at gmail.com.